and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 491. Woo! Happy anniversary! (laughs) Uh, Every time we record, I'm like, oh man, we really should message people about 500. (laughs) He's just worried about packing his bags, Dan. (laughs) He's like, I'm running out of time. (laughs) He's going to wake up on... Chad's gonna wake up on like the morning of and find like all of his stuff on the street outside. <laughs> I'm still planning my coup with, with, with a with a sign. Oh, what for, Doctor <laughs> Doctor DC? Good luck. <laughs> you can take it. <laughs> he'll have a sign. He'll have a sign outside that says like we'll podcast for food. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll starve. <laughs> for for those of you not also listening to the Doctor DC podcast, you're missing half the story because. I'm planning a coup to take over their show too. <laughs> God, you know, I'm fairly sure they were jo- they were joking when they started punctuating things with hashtag last year of the podcasts. But at this point, they've done it so much, it would be kind of anticlimactic if they didn't end it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they tried and did like the the multiverse thing and asked for April fools and had me do an episode or something like that. Or they could do or, or, or really lean into it, like commit to it, but in the stupidest way possible where like, like it's the final episode of the podcast. And then a week later, it's like, it picks right up back up from the numbering, but they're like, no, this is from earth two. And <laughs> The only difference is that I usually wear a red shirt, but now I'm wearing a blue one so that from there on, it's like a post crisis, like like now they're a different version. Ooh. Speaking of trippy ethereal comics and ideas. Yes. <laughs> Segway. World's <laughs> finest number five. Uh, Son no. of a bitch. <laughs> no, we're talking about the work of one of my favorite creators slash writers uh, in comics right now, Ram V. We finally get to do this because Such we're talking about boy, Swamp Jack. Thing. Such a fanboy. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Read the many deaths of Layla Starr and then get back to me. You are a creator hope, Chad. <laughs> you have your select, you have your select passions and uh, you're, you're like a create, you're like a creator groupie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Layla Sar was actually just nominated for like book, like 2022 book of the year for like, the, I, I forget it was like the Yugo Awards or something. Same category that uh, Far Sector got nominated I for. Called it from the moment it was solicited. 
So thank you very much. Anyways, um, we're talking about Ram V Swamp Thing with Mike Perkins on art. Now, obviously, um, Ram V Swamp Thing was initially solicited for like uh, a, a one season sort of a thing. Yes, they're doing the season thing, um, which Mark hates. But um, the uh, they got extended to kind of like a second season. So they got a total of 16 issues and issue 16 just recently hit. Um, but we have a new avatar of the green as opposed to Alec Holland. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name actually, but uh, uh, Levi Kame, I guess is his I, last name. I think it's Kame. Levi Kame uh, from India is now our, avatar of the green uh and swamp thing um dan and i have both been reading this series uh mark you only read the the issues that we'll be talking about in detail tonight dan do you want to kind of talk a little bit about and i'll I'll help you obviously but you want to talk a little bit about the series thus far i mean i haven't read a whole lot more than mark has i read the the uh the uh future state mini series or the two issue thing and loved it and it was like and at the time, I was trying to not take on as many monthly books as I could and committed to, like, I will get this run in trade when it's done. And then all of a sudden, here's a cover of Swamp Thing with a Green Lantern logo on it. And I said, like, oh, well, like, OK, I guess I'm reading the next three, the final three issues of Swamp Thing. So fairly, mu- fairly much. That's an expression on the same page as Mark. So you will have to we'll lean on you. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Levi, like I said, he's from India. Um, he is kind of estranged from his family in a way. Um, a while back, he worked for a company uh, known as Prescott Industries, and he helped them to develop in, uh, his uh, some land out in India which was his family's ancestral lands. And as a result, either through like sickness or stress, um, it was early on that it was mentioned in the series. So I don't remember exactly how, but by result of Levi working with Prescott Industries to develop those ancestral lands, his father died. Um, and he's kind of been estranged from his family, his brother ever since, but he, Uh, I guess as a kid, they were sort of as kids, he and his brother were sort of brought up. um, It's hard to say like they were raised in a magic family or anything, but there was a a heavy amount of ritual or whatever involved in his family's connection to nature and stuff. Uh, So, so much so that he was sort of, I don't want to say he was specifically groomed to be the swamp thing or the, the avatar of the green, but he may as well have been, let's put it that way. Um, and it could have been him or his brother. And it, he becomes Swamp Thing and there's a sort of um, rivalry with him and his brother. His brother taps into it. And what's really interesting about the rivalry between him and his brother is there's always been sort of really two aspects to the green and sort of the, the Parliament of Trees. And the fact that his brother is tied into the same power as him through some sort of ritual that he does after Levi becomes Swamp Thing, it really takes those two sides of the green, you know, sort of there's the the green that we all know when we think of superhero Swamp Thing uh, in terms of protecting people in life and and stuff like that and 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 kind of maintaining that balance and stuff. And then there's the 
the destroy all humanity, they're fucking with the green, like that that whole side of the Parliament of Trees. And it's interesting because it's like Levi embodies one and his brother Jacob embodies the other. So there's a very yin and yang effect between Levi and his brother Jacob. Uh, his brother Jacob changes his name, to, you know, much like Levi's Swamp Thing. His brother is Hedera, I think is how he pronounces that. Um, but basically, without getting into breaking down the entirety of the series to get us sort of up to here, not only do we get to introduce to Levi, his brother, his family, the woman that Levi is interested in, Jen, uh, I believe, I believe it's Jen. Um, but we also get a new parliament introduced in this. So we've, we've had like the parliament of trees, of course, but then we've had, um, the red, which I believe is animal. We've had uh, the animal kingdom uh, sort of stuff, just living beings. And then we've had the rot, which is decay and stuff like that. Well, now we have the parliament of gears and the parliament of gears is the green, the red, the rot is sort of uh, avatars or, or ideas made manifest. The parliament of gears is a new parliament coming up because of humanity's quest for industry and invention and metal alloys, you know, all the, all the stuff that happens. So we, so we now, now we have a completely new parliament. Anybody have anything to build off of that? Because I've already been talking for a second before I just get into all the rest of this. I love the idea of the parliament of gears. I love, I love the layer that they add to the whole, the whole parliament concept with like, okay, we think of it as, as the embodiment of natural forces, but this takes a step further and says, okay, we are, we, humanity is part of nature and we have generated something entirely new that would not have existed without us. And it has grown to such a degree that it is now as it is as big a part of the world as we are and seeing it seeing like this this i guess technically artificial parliament but kind of not artificial if you think about it like it's 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 such a fascinating concept yeah it's really good i mean we're we're taking we're taking the approach because there's there's two i mean i guess technically three there's three approaches just to a swamp thing story we either go straight horror we go Alan Moore ethereal craziness, or it's rare we get this and it's really not that popular, but sometimes it happens. We get just straight up superhero, anti-hero, maybe sort of character, like he may as well be, we may as well be reading a Poison Ivy issue sort of a thing. Uh, it's the first two, horror or or kind of spooky ethereal crazy cosmic concept sort of stuff uh, that we get most because it was popularized by Alan Moore. Um, and this, I think falls most in line with that. It feels like it is, but it's also like built around almost coming up with a new way to think about nature. Like, yes, it's, it's like so much of this revolves around the idea of ideas, the idea of, concepts mm -hmm. made manifest and how we just take for granted the space certain things occupy when really they equal out in in certain ways that we don't normally perceive 
Yeah, there's a lot of ideas in depth here, which makes me regret not actually physically writing a recap as opposed to what I'm going to do, which is just sort of page through and allow my memory to take me. But just trust me when I say, although I'll read small, small portions of this here and there, you should read this in terms of the ability to fully grasp what is trying to be said here. Um, we pick up on issue 14, which is the cover Dan mentioned with uh, with Swamp Thing with, you know, it's a black cover with Swamp Thing with a Green Lantern symbol on his chest. And we open up in space and in orbit around Earth is a bunch of sort of plant like pods. And Hal and Levi, who Hal has brought with him in a construct so he can you know survive in space are kind of assessing what's going on. And Levi is bringing him up to speed that these things have been called here uh, because uh, they're essentially going to try and rectify the problem on the surface. The problem being humanity. We are a threat to the green, essentially. Um, And we should specify like these pods are giant plants, like the size of spaceships. Yes, small small spaceships, but still spaceships, because I think Levi comes out of one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the whole thing is like, like if you have a shed in your backyard, it's like a little bigger than that, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Levi is basically saying that there's a, you know, he, he had the power of the green, but his brother sort of took it from him because remember they're both sort of yin and yang side of this. So there's been this sort of tug of war of the power uh, and who can fully embody it. And right now Jacob sort of has uh, uh, most of it, but but Levi still has sort of an inkling of it. Levi is telling how that these plants are here to stop humanity that they're going to fight a war against against us and that he could have stopped it but he didn't really fully embrace who he was and what was going on and and he says um you know if we survive any of this we we have to change you know there's got to be a big change on the planet and hal says it's the the blackest nights that we find uh, in the blackest nights that we find our capacity for goodness and it's um, we should be looking for the faintest little glimmers in the dark. All change begins with the will to do so. And I read that because it will come relevant soon. So after he says, uh, you know, says he wished he hopes Hal's right, he dives down into one of these pods uh, and calling on the last vestiges of his power remaining within him as Swamp Thing, he sort of trans poses himself into uh, like dandelion type seeds and goes down into the plant and becomes one with it um, and merges with its consciousness. It senses him and he tries to inflict doubt in it. Um, this being is, is a communal, uh, uh, even though there are multiple parts of it, it is of one mind and its name is Zetar. And um, Zetar is there to, in in its own words, save the world, uh, and by save it, just rid it from a virus, a parasite within. And while this is all happening down on the ground, the Parliament of Gears is building up, uh, building up a a city and expanding its own influence uh, alongside of this entity, which we met at the very beginning of the series. Not really worth it to go into who this guy is uh, at this point. 
without spending a whole lot of time talking about the entirety of the series. So as Levi is trying to convince this plant being that, uh, that humanity is not a parasite, uh, the idea evolves in its mind to it being a cancer, a cancer cell, but the other way in which um, mutations can occur is through evolution. Uh, so he's trying to get this being to think of humanity as part and parcel with the planet, as in part as important as the green, uh, as a natural progression of the timeline of of the Earth, and not uh, a plague upon everything else that it's that it is. It's it's it is it belong humanity belongs to Earth just like the green does. So as he tries to convince it, he allows it to access his own memories thereby also accessing the Green's memories, uh, which is obviously pretty extensive. Uh, he alerts Hal through, through Metaphil's ring that, that he's taking one of the pods down to Earth to confront everything that's happening down on the surface with the Parliament of Gears. We see a character walking through the desert uh, as Levi touches down in one of these pods named Trinity. We don't know who she is yet, but she's obviously very powerful and somehow connected to everything that's going on. We saw her earlier in the series briefly a couple of times, and she makes a few ethereal comments on what's going on. Hal uh, flies down to where the pod crashed and Levi is, and he makes contact. And he says, I need more strength, but the green has none left to give me. Jacob has it all. So Hal asks, if I get you on your feet, do we stand a chance? Can you stop this? And Levi replies, I will. So Hal recites the oath and shoots his energy down towards Levi, imbuing him with power to, first of all, become whole again. Because remember, he disseminated himself into this plant being. And he arises once more as Swamp Thing, but with a Green Lantern symbol on his chest and glowing all throughout we continue the story in uh, in issue 15. Well, while you're yeah. So some something I assumed I, when I saw this happen was that oh this is there's normal size Levi floating inside gi- a giant construct swamp thing body, but I don't think that's what this is, right? No, no, it is. Uh, the way I read it and Mark, you know, now we can start getting you to chime in since you read the same issues we did. Uh, the way I read it is it's the vestiges and connection that Levi has to the swamp thing power left in him. Um, although Jacob has all of it, he, I, I assume that there's some sort of connection left in him just inherently, uh, combined with the, the power that Green Lantern shot and then maybe even combined with whatever this being that he merged with was because he became part and parcel with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Hal just turned his swamp thingness back on and has it running off a different fuel supply. Yes. That's what I thought. Mark, what do you think? I agree with that. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was like a constructed body and right. I assumed it. Yeah. that he was just basically, Full bore swamp thing. He just kind of like uh, was basically rejuvenated and recharged with the power that Hal had bestowed upon him. Yeah, he's got connection to the green, but his power isn't being drawn from the green right now. He's supplementing his power with what Hal has given given him, which I think that I think that works. So 
Trinity touches down. It obviously feels what's happening with Swamp Thing and joins the battle and disassembles for the first time, kind of makes a decision and joins the battle against these, uh, these, these creatures. Uh, he joins the battle, uh, against these creatures alongside Trinity very briefly, becomes very large and starts attacking the city itself. Uh, he then steps into the center of it, uh, and finds his brother, uh, fighting against everything that's going on down there. And he grabs him and kind of explains to him everything that he knows about what has happened thus far and everything that he has learned. Again, this is a couple of pages worth of dialogue, so uh, I'm not going to read it all to you guys, but again, read the book. He says that he needs the memory of the world because he needs to convince this new parliament of kind of his way of his way of things uh, and, and what he has learned through all of this. He says, I will show them that they have a choice in this moment. They can yet choose what sort of idea they want to be. On the one hand, this is consumptive eternal war without victim, without victors, and yet all it takes is the will to choose differently. And where there is will, there is yet hope. So he puts his brother down, and uh, he, I guess his brother sort of lends him back some of this power because we don't see the Green Lantern symbol anymore. It seems like he's restored to regular Swamp Thing. He goes down into the center of the city to confront and speak with the Parliament of Gears directly. The being I mentioned earlier, who is from the beginning of the series, confronts him and says, you are not the idea that you think you are. And basically says, you know, you're you're actually greed, but I'm here to talk to the Parliament of Gears. And he, the Parliament of Gears doesn't want to listen, so he convinces them by saying, well, first of all, uh, I've been entangled myself throughout your entire city in every piece, and I will tear it down to make you listen to me. But your victory, for the most part, is assured. So what what do you have to lose? You know, logically speaking, what do you have to lose by just listening? And at this point, Trinity walks through the door and he's saying, you're going to listen to Trinity, not to me. So we get to our conclusion with issue 16. And Trinity reveals her own origin in that in that she was there when uh, when the bombs went off over at Alamogordo and she herself is actually the parliament of gears gears's avatar. The way that Swamp Thing is the avatar of the green Trinity is the avatar of the parliament of gears and is only just now discovering this and and in much the same way I mentioned earlier that Levi and Jacob are kind of polar opposites um, of of what we've seen the Parliament of Trees to be in the past, um, whether it's hero or, you know, damn humanity, all hail the green. She is one side and what the Parliament of Gears has been doing is essentially another. And she says that once she interacted with humanity in Swamp Thing, she's seen she's seen their their best uh, and their worst. And that in the moment, she understood that the choices people made were not always guided by their consequence. Sometimes they were made on whim, sometimes on emotion, sometimes in pursuit of higher purpose, enlightenment, God. She understood that the intelligence to discern consequence is not what makes them special. It was the ability to choose that did. 
And she believes that that's what parliaments are made of. That's what, why we were given form and shape and agency. We may choose to qualify and rationalize our choices by their consequences, but it is the choices themselves that make a parliament. So he says, you know, you can choose to be what greed says you should be. Uh, and you can, this, this, and he calls greed the wanderer. He says, but you have to ask yourselves, are you truly free from of your master's plans? Or you choose one like yourselves, born of human ideas, and yet one who found her way to a place of innocence. Um, so he's he's asking it. To, he's, he's not trying to convince it of its own power and its idea, but that the power lies in the ability of choice. And he then tackles uh, the wanderer to the earth and when he first met they told him that one idea has to consume the other and he says uh the better idea doesn't have to consume the other the better idea can be chosen um and he springs a giant tree and all sorts of other plant life comes around this city and then we end the issue with with him going back to the forest where his father had taken him and the oldest part of the forest and the tree and he's confronted the art is, is beautiful by mike perkins but i'm not entirely sure if this is supposed to be his brother or jason woodrow but he's confronted briefly and it's a, and uh, and this person says uh there will be an occasion for you to be remembered as a monster just yet which levi responds maybe a time will come where such grave choices stand before me perhaps i will make them perhaps i will perish in indecision but i stopped worrying about that a long ago Eternal choice to be better or worse, that's all there is. My ambitions are much less, lost, less lofty than yours. When I look in the mirror each day, I want to be able to meet my own eyes and not see a monster there. That's about all anyone can hope for. And it's the end. It has two of the most joyful, happy panels I've seen in a comic in a very long time. Like the last panel of, on the page of him just smiling and then you turn the page and it's a full page spread of swamp thing just arms to the sun just filled with joy yeah 100 percent. mike parkins mike, mike perkins kills it on this on the entire series i think very yes all right so what did we think of uh these issues i was impressed and kind of i think key to that is how it didn't do what I originally wanted it to do. Because when I first saw, oh, there's going to be a Green Lantern crossover with Swamp Thing, my first thought was, like, I hope we get to see some cool spotlight on Metaphil. Because, like, why wouldn't you? He's the alien plant man who's a Green Lantern. Who better to help Swamp Thing with some kind of plant aliens or whatever? And when I saw, like, oh, it's Hal, I guess that makes sense, you know. But it couldn't have worked without a human Green Lantern in this role. Like, it was nice that Methil was there for a couple panels, but like, like I just, I want to read this one panel from uh, the second to last issue where Levi is in his, uh, his, his willpower swamp thing form. And he says, he says, I have experienced both the eternal wisdom of trees and the unfettered will of man. I was once born of grass and uh, I was once born of grass and twig. Now I am a construct of will. Two ideas have coursed through this body. Two ideas have conversed. And 
that's when it hit me like this is like this this isn't just a, a crossover for the sake of having a cool crossover this isn't like they, they ram v came up with a reason to incorporate a human green lantern into this story that was crucial to the character arc of levi of like his entire journey and how it had to culminate because because like literally it's the simplest thing it's like a green lantern's power is will you are taking hal's will the will of a human being and flooding it flooding swamp thing with it and the concept of what that is of what that feels like and stands for is giving this character a perspective he's never had before and lets him recontextualize everything he he knows about the green and the plant life of the earth of the earth and it's the entire reason he arrives where he arrives by the end of this and like i was so impressed that 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 he even thought to do any of that it's a little specter-esque too it's even the thing that you were reading i mean i kind of picked up on it when i was reading it but when you read but that that uh quote in particular that kind of just reminds me of some of the stuff Hal was dealing with when he was the specter the duality of what he was dealing with about what he was and what he what he used to be but what he wasn't anymore and and what he was trying to handle being now so they could have so maybe there were some some other subliminal reasons why Hal was the green lantern that was chosen to be in this obviously this is not my swamp thing so it's 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 a little jarring especially being dropped in the middle of this i would but it the story kind of plays out not necessarily uncharacteristically like a like a swamp thing story. You're a little lost because you don't have the background from the first umpteen issues. But it certainly looks like a swamp thing book. So I when think you, that I don't mean to interrupt, but when you say it's not your swamp thing, it's it's not Alec Holland yes, or it's yes, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah gotcha. More 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 yeah, I was maybe I could have been more clear. It's it was an illusion, not it was not uh a specific statement. Yeah, I meant more. Yes, it's not Alec Holland as opposed to oh, the the, the course of storytelling was instead of going more horror, they decided to go more like like meta or something like that or spiritual. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean, it's an element of that. But I've read different Swamp Thing books. I I've read at least a few issues of almost every incarnation of Swamp Thing. Uh, so I have gotten a little taste of all of that. So, but I meant, yeah, it's it's not Alec Holland that it took in and figuring out who this guy was. And, oh, it's like, oh, it's not Alec Holland at all in this. That took, that was, that took a few minutes to get used to, but it was not a story that was uncharacteristic of either theme wise to a certain extent and certainly art wise, it fits in these, in the Swamp Thing tradition. So I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It, and I think maybe because, yeah, maybe because of the the specter background that I have with that with that Hal book that I that you can see some like similar aspects to b- bigger picture issues about people and, and dualities and everything. Maybe I can maybe it was I was able to relate to that a little bit more as opposed to if I had completely come in cold on all this and just was especially if I wasn't as used to Swamp Thing stuff, too. I was really surprised at how I'll say accessible the the big finale of this whole run was. Like again, like 
I I read basically the the prologue that was also a f- epilogue that also didn't happen in those two uh future state issues and then kind of just jumped to this and I had never heard of Levi before. I didn't even realize there was a different guy until I read until I uh, picked up this issue. And like I read these three issues and I'm left without any real questions about who anybody is or what was happening or why it was happening or why this was important or that. It's it's like it's the complete opposite of how we're used to thinking about it, where it's like, oh, you should you always read straight on through to the be- from the beginning to the end. That's how you'll get the best experience. That's how you'll you'll avoid missing things. And I absolutely believe that if you read every single issue, you're going to get more out of this ending. And I 100 percent. And yeah, and I'm definitely going to read this whole series. But uh but I think there's also something to be said for the idea that, you know, every issue is somebody's first and some writers don't really aren't really able to to do that while also telling their story their way. But Ram V very clearly is, because for all intents and purposes, my first issue of his his run proper was the third to the last and. I had I like I wasn't confused. I wasn't lost about anything and I got all of it and it was a blast. Yeah, I think the double page spread in uh in the final issue is is definitely relevant. So I I'll I like much like you read that panel, I'll read this here. Um this will forever be your calling as a parliament to choose splitting molecules, chasing particle death, or creating a piece of the sun in a lab. Life as a means to infect one another or life engineered to save generations. Evolution to the apex of a parched world or exploration and human ingenuity taken to worlds and frontiers beyond. A consumptive industry driven by greed and self-propagation or a bastion of innovation creating, crafting with innocence. All of this was always within your grasp, but here now, if you truly are to ascend, you must choose. So there's, I, I love it because we've been dealing with this yin and yang of him and his brother, and now we see like it's inherent in all the parliaments. Is like you can embrace one side or the other, but there are consequences to to fully embracing that one aspect of of trying to fully envelop the world in the green or fully envelop the world in the parliament of gears. There's all of these things sprung up and were created in the balance of each other. Um, And it's only through allowing the green and the red and the rot to exist uh, that the parliament of gears even came to be and humanity came to be to make those decisions and adapt to their world. And And I love that they're, they're, they're kind of talking not about, fate or inevitability but just the balance that choice brings and i've always really liked the especially here i like the idea that we're playing with here that we are playing actually with ideas like we have this idea of the green and we have its avatar uh same with the gears and the the red of the rot but also we play with that same concept in green lantern we have this idea of will and we have avatars of will and so on and so forth so i do like because we also talk in here about hope and greed as well so i like the idea that we're kind of um 
we're balancing what these ideas can be because this is also this this whole conversation of balance and choice is something that we've tackled within other books. I mean, uh, uh, you know, shout out, shout out where it's made. I, in, in listening to to or, or watching Dan's YouTube video about the Red Lanterns, you know, is rage a wholly negative thing? No, it, there there are different sides to each emotion, and it's important that all aspects of that emotion be embraced within that core and the way in which that can play out when it's properly applied. Um, so I, I, I like that we play with this con- that concept here and we even combine the two briefly. Yeah, I love the idea that oh, idea <laughs> that um, ideas carry with them infinite potential that's only limited by the choices we make. And that so much of the conflict in this story comes from the fact that the Parliament of Gears is brand new and is too young to really even understand the potential at its fingertips. And that, you know, any one of the parliaments could rise up and dominate the world at any point, but they don't because they understand that they only exist through a balance with each other and the parliament of gears needs to be taught that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we get, I mean, we get a glimpse of what a world would look like if one of the parliaments took over in that, in that two issues you talked about. Yeah. Cause it doesn't tell us what happened in the future specifically, but you kind of get the idea that either something happened to Levi or Jacob took over. Hmm. I mean, now that you've read this entire series, I don't think it's said in, in those two issues, but now that you get the concept of what the idea that's being presented here, I think that's what you can can walk away with if you reflect back on those two issues from Future State, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so interesting. Like there's I was, I've been trying to think of how to describe the writing style of this book, and I feel like I want to call it like almost clinically poetic because like there's like almost like a lyrical whimsical writing style but it's talking about like like rigidly structured like here's here's how biology is connecting to all these other things and it gives this like it makes a poetry out of the facts of nature yeah yeah and it's like it's 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 a different it's almost a different way of interpreting these these things that we're used to seeing as as mundane, which I think kind of speaks to what, the whole point of this book. It's like, like you don't normally think of nature and people and t- machines as ideas, but we all like ev- everything kind of is a concept that's been realized by choices that have been made, whether consciously or not consciously. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mark. Anything else you wanted to say about this one? I know this is this was all new to you. I did. I thought the concepts in the in in this story arc were interesting. It I off the top of my head, it's, I can't think of the story it reminded me of, but it was it was. We've seen elements. We've seen elements in the story before. Um, I think conceptually about the either it's just the viewing of what hum, humanity is. Or what it can be from different perspectives, you know, whether, you know, we're like a disease or whether we're 
I'm trying to put it into the best way possible. I think I think you get the general idea that what we really are in relation to the world and how from an outside looking in perspective, we can be seen as more of the we can we can be seen potentially as a solution or a of the problem. Well, funny enough, I read the first issue of the uh, current Poison Ivy series recently, which, by the way, read that book. That is an amazing first issue. And she talks about how the way she views humanity is that, you know, as individuals, we're totally fine. She doesn't have any problem with us. But as an overall group, she sees us as an invasive species that is like choking the life out of the planet. And that's the idea that kind of fuels her crusade, especially once something happens to, you know, damage the the one major human connection she had left so like that kind of it's interesting that that uh both of their big plant people with books is where that idea seems to live but uh yeah i just saw it's in poison ivy right now too for sure i highly recommend it again you know um uh Mark says I peddle these things, but that's okay. Uh, the the for instance the 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 mini deaths of Layla Star. Uh, it's four issue series. V- softball pitch. The Hindi goddess of death is later just which is just essentially the embodiment of death is laid off from her job because humanity is about to invent immortality. So she goes down to Earth to kill the person who invents immortality before they do it. So that she can have her job back. Such a good idea. And then they play with the idea of death and humanity. Like they play with those concepts there. One issue is entirely told from the perspective of a cigarette. Just whatever. It, it, <laughs> we play with big ideas. Uh, but it's uh, I've I've really enjoyed the shit out of Ram V Swamp Thing. I I haven't read a Swamp Thing run this vigorously in a long time. Uh, if not ever, I mean, I've got the entirety of of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing here on my shelf uh, on trade paperback form. But is that because, you know, I truly enjoyed it a lot or because it's just a historic piece of D.C. that you just have to have <laughs> if you're into D.C.? Um, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. But I love this. And although there are going to be two different volumes of trades on this, I myself am probably going to wait until all 16 are collected in a single hardcover. Yeah, Swamp Thing has never really been my thing. Uh, I think the only run of it I ever really read was most of the... Uh, was it Scott Snyder who wrote, read, um, wrote it in the New 52 when they were doing that like that horror series that crossover over with animal man. Yeah. And, but, um, yeah, no, this is like what the, the bits of this I have read are great and I need to go back and read the rest. And the thing that strikes me about this book is that it ends in a way that's self-contained enough that if they wanted to, they could do more or they could kind of leave this because this is where Levi started and it, it puts him in a place where, you know, maybe he's done now or maybe his role is to, you know, keep an eye on this tree and make sure that jackass doesn't get out. Like it's it ends very in a very clean way where they like this could be the sum total of Levi's story if they really wanted to. And it would end as a pretty great one or 
or this could be a springboard to, you know, the next time a swamp thing shows up, it's still Levi. But either way, I think this this gives very strong self-contained feelings that I appreciate. For sure. It's a buy for me, guys. Um, uh, should you go out and buy it for its Green Lantern stuff? I mean, it's an interesting concept to play with, yes, but I don't know that you'd... I, I, I truly think that if you go and read this, you're just going to be so caught up in everything else that's going on, you're going to want the rest of the series. Like, if you buy this and you actually like what is within the pages, I don't think you're, as a Green Lantern fan, you're going to be content with just these... Even just this one issue with issue 14 or all three of the issues 14 through 16. I mean, look, as a Green Lantern fan who doesn't usually care much about Swamp Thing, like I only bought the uh, the Future State Swamp Thing because I found out Obsidian was in it. And I only like jumped ahead to read these issues because I saw, oh, they're having like a Green Lantern crossover in it. And that superficial hook got me like really in really invested in what they were actually doing with the concept of green lantern and the idea of willpower which like i i love thinking about it in the way that they present it here and that's motivated me to go back and read the entire rest of this series so i would say that if you're like me if you're if you love green lantern but don't really care about swamp thing all that much read this series <laughs> yeah here's your entry point it's it's not that you can't get the concepts because clearly all three of us did even with our varying you know experiences with this new uh avatar of the green but like you you can get the concepts they're saying obviously enough enough to be like okay i get how green lantern ties into this but there's a whole lot more said in you know issues one through 13 uh that uh can just really make make that concept shine brighter for you. So I, this there, there's more to this series uh, than just what we can, were able to compl- contemplate in these last three issues. Uh, there's a lot of story told there and it's, it's definitely worth your time. So definitely check it out. Yeah. The biggest surprise for me about this book was how, how much more interesting and thoughtful it was about everything it was trying to say. And Green Lantern is like the icing on top that, makes it all work in the end mm-hmm. but now we're going to switch to from uh praising and enjoying something to furiousness <laughs> go get him mark <laughs> i think chad is more <clears throat> chad was probably more pissed than i was i'm i was pissed on your behalf yes, i took you're... i took your anger into myself and combined <laughs> it with my own <laughs> well that's all right chad because as as we know, because you quoted that very intelligent and handsome YouTuber, uh, it's it's anger is not a bad thing all the time if you're angry for the right reasons. Worked for the Hulk. But you're the parallax guy, so go for oh, yeah. it. So for the for those who didn't feel shafted enough when we had when the hell was when the hell was that? How many months ago was that was, was spring, a- right? April. April? Back in April, when when we had the digital NFT Funko drops, which included the awesome Eradicator, which I don't have, and the and the damn cool Kyle Rayner, which I don't have, that if, if that wasn't bad enough, actually, at the the date this episode will, 
I'm going to try to get this done so it comes out on Monday or else technically by the time people start listening to this, it, <laughs> these things might already be released because it's September 6th. It's September 6th. Actually, yeah, September 6th is when these drop. That on September 6th, I think it's 2 p.m. Eastern, that now we're going to have a Hal Jordan Parallax Pop, which is another digital. I think it's like a 1.7% chance you have. One yeah, one point seven zero percent. The only good thing is that there's this is you have there's more actual thing parallax is made I think than the than the Kyle on the Eradicators. Yeah, it's four thousand two fifty or something like that. Yes. I have it open somewhere. Is that what is I that have, right? I, so yes. Kyle, Kyle had a one point six two percent chance with two thousand and fifty available. Uh, parallax Hal Jordan has a one point seven percent chance with four thousand two hundred and fifty available. Yeah. So on the bright side. There'll be more of Hal Jordan available no matter where you are based on raw numbers, but the percentages. What makes this doubly worse is that thing looks friggin' awesome. As did Kyle, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I think the parallax looks better as a, I think I think parallax <laughs> translates a little bit better than the, the, the I don't know if the crab mask really worked as well. But I they both look good, but this looks like let's put it this way, this this looks a thousand times better than that McFarlane piece of crap having <laughs> parallax. <laughs> And the, and you gotta think, like like it's rubbing salt in the wound here that that it's three '90s era Green Lantern tie. Like it's Kyle Rayner, it's Hal's Parallax, and it's Connor Hawk Green Arrow. Man, like, I really uh, want that and, Connor Hawk and yeah. and Azri- and Azriel as Batman, which you have the even smallest chance of getting. Now, mind you, I I think it looks a little out of proportion, so I think the head just the oversized head I think kind of ruins that. I mean, I would love to have it, but I think it ruins it. But you like, you, there's literally a 999 of those made. You have a 0.1% chance of getting Azrael Batman. Yeah, but, we sh- and we should we should say for those playing along at home, this is an NFT card drop. So think of a pack of trading cards, Pokemon cards, whatever. These are digital packs. You open and you get digital cards, NFTs, gifts, whatever of these characters. Some of these select few NFTs can be redeemable several months later for a physical pop. So, yeah, so, so you draw a Kyle Rayner card, which o- you only have like a little over a one percent chance of pulling, and you can redeem that for a Kyle Rayner pop as long as supplies last, because they are only making so many of them. Correct. And I mean, it, it's basically like. It's ba- Funko basically decided, like, you know, why should we sell people things when we can just run a rigged lottery? And like, it's it's just a system put in place to get people to keep giving Funko free money over and over and over again until they either go broke or give up. On and the that, chance that you get this Funko. Yeah. And I'm totally on the fun- 1% chance that they will have to actually give you something of value. Well, that's assuming you can even get the cards. Uh, yes, because, because it's hard be- to go into that story because it's been a while. You've been holding on to this. Well, I mean, there, I mean, to be perfectly honest, there isn't a huge part of the story to tell. I, w- I was, when they did the one for Kyle <laughs> and for the Eradicator, that I was ready to go on the drop site. I even registered just registered just for this. So right when two o'clock, you know, about like 159, I was ready 159, you refresh and then boom, you go in to the queue and they tell you what your approximate wait time is before you, before you're going to get a chance to purchase. And they do, and they show you the countdown of the 
the like the individual stuff like the five card packs or whatever and the 25 packs you see the percentages and it updates fairly regularly so on that level the system's cool but probably like about 20 minutes maybe actually i don't even know if it was 20 minutes in but at some point it told me like i was like 20 26 minutes away from basically being able to enter into the area to purchase which at the time wasn't so bad because the quantities were still pretty good and they were not it, it was not changing that dramatically so if it had stayed accurate I probably would have been able to buy something. At least I would say probably at least 25 to 30 minutes into the process, my wait time jumps up from like either 22 or 26 minutes. I think it was down to like 22 minutes. It jumps up to like 46. I was like, how is this even possible? Because obviously nobody should be coming into the queue that was, wasn't already there and getting ahead of you. So how could they be that off? The time should only get smaller. It shouldn't go up. I know it's an approximation, but you don't gain like 20 something minutes. Uh, so needless to say, by the time it eventually got down to the, the call, all the available packs sold out long before I ever got into the queue, past the initial queue to get into the purchasing stage. So, yes. So you, you have a very limited chance, even if you get a chance, even if you get in, if you're lucky enough to get to the purchasing stage and you buy something, you have a really, really small chance. But the sad part is, I don't know if I cannot get this because this is awesome. Oh, I, I know mean, that you cannot get this. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> I mean, I pull the trigger somewhere and get it. I know. I mean, our law of averages always says you're not going to get it. I, 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 all kidding aside, I know what you meant, but I mean. I'll help you. I'll talk to you about, about this after the podcast. Because the reality is this is going to be. Because they still have a few eradicators out there for like, hey, make your, make, make a bid. And I almost said, then let me throw a $100 bid on it. It's like, well, you know what? I better save that because just, just for the hell of it, in case somebody was generous and accepted. I could use that hundred dollars towards parallax because I really need this thing. I think I'm gonna have to get this thing because it's so damn cool. Yeah, I feel like hundred dollar is kind of not where you're gonna need to be. No, I know that's my point. That's why it's like if I'm gonna if I was willing to throw a hundred or hundred and fifty on a on a make your best offer on the eradicator, I might as well save it because I might need that to add to whatever I want to add for like another friggin' hundred dollars or whatever to try to get. And I fundamentally don't want to do that. But I think you'll be able to get parallax for 50 bucks, but I'll talk to you later about it. I mean, Mark, imagine with that hundred dollars, how many Lantern Core Wonder Woman pops you could buy. <laughs> you could build a whole core out of just la- of just uh, Lantern Wonder Woman pops. Yeah, you know, so... the main pop that Funko makes <laughs> for Lantern fans. Even yeah. the N- even the NFT card itself is awesome for how with the entity coming out of them at the end. <laughs> so. And, and and the Wonder Woman thing brings up another point I wanted to make. Like this proves that Funko not only has the license and ability and molds to make these things, but they specifically chose to release it in an NFT money grab drop. We've been getting Sinestro Core Wonder Woman, White Lantern Wonder Woman, uh, blah 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 blah. Wonder Woman up to friggin' Wazoo. We got we got White Lantern Kyle Rayner a couple of cons back, but now we finally get regular Kyle Rayner, and it's only in an NFT drop. We get regular Parallax, you know, Hal Jordan Parallax. It's in an NFT drop. Freaking even some of these others like Connor Hawk should absolutely be a figure available. No NFT drop. The we're getting shafted on these DC picks. And yes, I'm pissed as a Green Lantern fan, but as a DC fan too, some of this shit should be available. 
some of these like characters may be very, very specific, but most of them aren't and really shouldn't be behind this NFT money grab. And it's pissing me off because it lit- it just proves they have the molds and the ability, but they will not do it unless it's part of an NFT grab. It also proves that they know for a fact it's what we want. Exactly. Because they, because they wouldn't bother putting it in this promotion if they didn't know that. 100%. It, they absolutely <laughs> know, and they don't care. And it pisses me off. I get it. They're a business. But they're... To me, there's something inherent when you're building a business that is based on a fandom. Should you 100% cater to that fandom? Probably not, because it's just not a smart business decision. But should you shaft the fandom? I don't know. There's a balancing act when you when you start come creating collectibles based on IPs and properties that people love, uh, and. I feel like if you start screwing with your customer base like this, you're headed for trouble. And this, well, the sad, the sad part is, and I said this to Jim as a joke. You watch, they'll give it, they'll give us a regular version or an exclusive somewhere else where anybody can buy it, and they'll give us the effing jagged teeth version. <laughs> Mark, Which if you, I get that one, will you sign it for me? <laughs> oh, I'll sign it for you, but, <laughs> but I mean, come on, this is so. I mean, this is so cool looking and they, get the co- they got the costume right as opposed to mcfarland they got the costume right they got the great temples right they got the hair right the majority cool of the time when you, i know that i mean the majority of the of the of when you saw hallow's parallax he didn't have the part in his hair he had it going like kind of poofs and hit going straight back so that that was that's really cool i mean they got this this is one of the best pops i've seen <laughs> yeah you, you know the the thing that really gets me is that between the Kyle Rayner promotion and this new Parallax promotion, the NFT market has all but crashed. Like NFTs that used to sell for close to a million dollars are now selling for a couple of hundred. And like this, like to me, this reeks of, you know, this company was already all in on doing the doing a couple waves of this. And it's it's not as easy to stop those gears from moving once that's already in motion. And they like I I partially wonder if Funko would have liked to pull out of the NFT game, but was too invested in it at this point and had to do this wave. Basically, I would be surprised if there's a third wave of this, but there there could be. <laughs> And vote with your dollars, people, because if we decide we're not putting up with this bullshit anymore, um, here's what I'm going to tell you. If this happens, and yes, granted, you're feeding the beast by doing this in some way, but like I did with Kyle, I didn't buy a single Funko NFT pack. So Funko got none of my money. Who got my money was somebody who had the NFT and I bought it from them so I could redeem it, which I think my re- I think the redeeming is on the second. So I got to remember. Yeah, because this, this this redeeming is either December or January, isn't it? Yeah. For the parallel. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, technically, I'm feeding the beast because I'm paying somebody money who did spend money on packs. So that just encourages those people to do that. But Funko didn't get a damn dime of my money. And guess what? They're not going to do it on this one either. I'm not going to buy a shit ton of NFT packs on the hopes that I get Parallax or Connor. Not happening. Maybe they can make amends at some point and make it Kyle versus Parallax two pack and they would get all be happy. 
<laughs> they can even yeah. change the sculpt ever so slightly. Yeah, spiky teeth for everybody. No, not that way. <laughs> I said slightly. I didn't say ruining it. God, <laughs> you know, I give me parallax flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> God, I'm th- I'm just thinking about the fact now that like they've made one Jessica Cruz pop, and it's that uh. I forget the like the Day of the Dead one yep. or whatever it was called. Yeah, and that that proves that they have the mold, but they haven't released a regular Jessica. And so I am I am hoping against hope that NFTs get even less profitable before it's time to do a wave three of this. And you'll get your Simon Bass pop. And they can put firecrackers in its head. <laughs> oh. I I still I still think the fun the funniest thing ever because it was completely by accident. I think I told Chad this, that when I had, when the, when uh, I was set, setting up all the hero clicks or after they had been all set up and I had the Simon Baz one. And by luck of the draw, I, I, I hit the area where my green lanterns were and Simon Baz was the one that fell off and he fell and he landed and his head just snapped right off. <laughs> oh. No, I don't, don't, I crazy glued it back perfectly. You'd never know. But the point was it just landed right on his head and it snapped. It's like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> So you crazy glued it, but you didn't want to. <laughs> well, now that all of our emotions have been shed <laughs> for for this for this episode, uh, Dan, thanks for joining us on this. Yes, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Thank me. And, <laughs> and, and hey, if you're emotionally dead inside, you should go over to YouTube.com/c/MosaicComics. I'll I'll give you feelings about stuff. Is that is that a plug? Is that how I do it? <laughs> no, it's a, it's my YouTube channel. It's about mostly Green Lantern and other things that I love in comic form. I uh, just did, as Chad alluded to, I did a uh, a great big episode on my favorite run of Red Lanterns, which is my which is one of my favorite Green Lantern franchise series runs of all time, and. It just just really go into the nature of rage and what it means to be powered by it and Guy Gardner's character. And it's just it's something that I've been wanting to make for a very long time. And it was very cathartic to finally put it out there. And in another week or so, it will be followed up by a deep dive into the entire new 52 Supergirl series so that we can kind of take a look at how she arrived at becoming a Red Lantern and what that experience meant for her life going forward. Uh, and while you're there, I've got, I've also got some uh, general comic videos on things like, like uh, the Dan Slot run of She-Hulk and, and uh, the Power Rangers comics, which are pretty amazing. So read those and then watch my thing. So that's Mosaic Comics on YouTube. Check it out. Are you going to do an episode on Swamp Thing now? Maybe once I read all of it. Gotcha. All right, Mark, if people want to reach out to our show and talk about any of the topics we talked about tonight, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to text or leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Good night, everybody. Good night. See ya.